Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. All right, what's up, City Alliance Church? How you doing today? That's awesome. Can we just give Facebook a welcome right now? What's up, Facebook? How you doing? We want to welcome our brothers and sisters that are watching online. So just want to say welcome. Uh, we are here for the third week of Advent. And, you know, Advent's where we've been kind of celebrating this time where we are waiting for the arrival of Jesus coming to the manger. And so as a way to prepare us for this special time uh, for Christmas, we have this Advent adventure that we're calling Victorian Christmas. And, you know, I shared this last week, if you weren't here. Sometimes one of the things I like to do is I like to look around and see what's going on in culture. Uh, What's happening in our community? What's happening in our lives that might maybe clarify a truth of scripture or maybe even point us to Jesus? And so one of the things that we do every year as a community is we celebrate what's known as Victorian Christmas. And men and women from all over the country, we get about maybe hundreds, I think maybe even a thousand people that will come and they'll tour homes and they'll tour churches to kind of celebrate, you know, all of just the the Victorian heritage that's in our community. And so we are one of the stops on the tour, and people love to come into our sanctuary to see some of these stained glass windows of many of these great heroes of the faith. In fact, if you look in that corner there, there's a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon is known as the Prince of Preachers. Um, I think he was out in England. And then on this window over here is a guy named William Carey. William Carey is a missionary. He went to India, one of the first ones, And I think over there is Christopher Walken. Um, I don't know how he made it on the list, but, you know, he was in Batman Returns, so why not? So, um, actually, I'm just kidding. That's Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary to China. But, you know, one of the things that we kind of linked, you know, Victorian Christmas or this Victorian era to some of the themes in Scripture is the theme of restoration. This idea that something that was once dead can have new life in it. In fact, that's kind of the genesis of Christmas. Uh, These three people looked around and saw, man, there was so much restoration that needed to happen of uh, all these things from that era. And so when you actually look at the Victorian era, we talked about this last week, we saw some of the greatest advancements in things like the gospel. There were all these missionary movements that kind of spread all over the world. Uh, Not only that, you saw all these uh, social issues that said, hey, as followers of Jesus, we can't let slavery go on. We can't let child labor go on. We can't let all these different mental health issues continue. But we also saw the Victorians do things like they celebrated Christmas. Christmas at that point was not celebrated. It was not a thing. But the Victorians said, we need to celebrate the fact that Jesus came to earth. Uh, we need to celebrate the fact that God became man, and, 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 and this is the beginning of salvation. And so that's one of the things that they did. And so they invented all these different ways that we could celebrate. One of them was the Christmas card. We talked about this last week, how we actually know the first Christmas card was invented in the 1850s. And this is an example of it. By the way, quick question. How many of you have your Christmas cards out already? Okay. How many of you are still praying about whether you're going to do Christmas cards this year? Okay, I'm in that category as well. Well, listen, I want to maybe try something a little bit different this year for Christmas, if you do Christmas cards. Uh, One of the things is in two weeks, we're going to be celebrating Christmas Eve here at City Alliance Church. And I want to give you maybe a tool 
to help you in the process of inviting maybe friends, neighbors, and coworkers to Christmas Eve. So I want to invite our ushers right now. They're going to pass out our special Christmas Eve invite card. So they're going to come down. They're going to pass these down. And I want you to go ahead and take two. Take two. And I'll tell you why in a, in a moment here. Now, these Christmas Eve cards are customizable. What you'll see is on the back, it says, Dear blank. Merry Christmas. I want to take a moment to personally invite you to join me this Christmas Eve to sing Christmas carols, hear the message of hope about Jesus, and enjoy some hot chocolate and cookies. For more information, you can go to the website. I'm looking forward to celebrating Christmas Eve with you. You know, Christmas Eve is one of those times where I think it's a pretty easy invite. Uh, still in our culture, people are like, yeah, I'll come to church on Christmas Eve. I might even come on Christmas. But I want you to think about this. Who in your life is closest to you, but furthest from Christ? Who, who in your life right now, that maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a, a neighbor, a coworker, someone you've been getting to know at the gym, and, and you've been praying for them. You've been praying for them. You've been maybe sharing a little bit about your faith at your church. And maybe they're, you know, they're, they're kind of open now. Or maybe they're a little bit curious about your faith because, you know, they're like, yeah, I don't know about Jesus stuff, but, but I kind of like you. But who is it in your life that maybe, at this point, what they need is an invite to Christmas? You know, most people, I think, you know, you look at some of the surveys, people who come out to church would say, hey, I would come if someone invited me. And so you have an opportunity this year to invite someone to come to our church. Maybe this year there's been people in your life that are far from God, but you've been investing in them. You, you've been praying for them, having conversations, maybe sharing with some of the things that you've been doing here at City Lines over the past year, and maybe their hearts kind of softened towards maybe to Jesus or, or softened towards God, and you have an opportunity to invite them. And, and because all this past year, you, you've been what I call an ambassador. You've been representing Jesus to that person. You know, Paul says this. Uh, he's one of the early church leaders. He says, in uh, 2 Corinthians, he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appearance through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Guys, on Christmas Eve this year, we're going to share the story of reconciliation. We're going to share, hey, this is what Jesus did for you on the cross. He came as a baby, but he died on the cross so that you could have eternal life. We're going to share that gospel message in two services at four and six. And so you have an opportunity to invite friends, family members, co-workers, and neighbors. And so I, I want you to take two of these. The first one, I actually want you to take it and just put it on your refrigerator. Put it somewhere that you'll see it on a regular basis so that it can remind you to be praying. And then the second one, I want you to go ahead and write someone's name in here. And actually maybe write a little message on here. I'm asking you to do something courageous. Hand this to them. Hey, Christmas Eve's coming up, and I'd love to have you come with us. In fact, here, I have you a special Christmas card for you. That for, for the day. But who is that person that maybe God's been putting on your heart, maybe God's been putting them on your mind that you've been investing in, that maybe this is the time for them to actually come and hear the gospel and actually respond to it. You know, I know that it's always a challenge, right, to invite somebody, because think about it, like you're taking kind of a risk, they're going to come to church, what's Nathan going to do, right? Like, I'm kidding, but but, like, you know, you're inviting them to come to church, and, you know, how are they going to respond? Are they going to take their steps closer to Jesus or not? But, you know, one of the stories that really encourages me, and I shared this a couple weeks ago. Many of you guys remember Ashley, who came to our church. She got baptized. But the reason that Ashley was able to make this radical step of faith where her life was changed, because someone invited her to church. 
She was literally going for a walk during COVID, and, and she, she met some folks in our church, and they invited her, and she came, and literally God changed her life. Guys, an invitation to church can be life-changing for somebody, and some of you, you know what that's like. So I want to encourage you. In fact, I more than encourage you, I want to pray for you. In fact, why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and pray for the people in our lives right now who don't know Jesus for this opportunity. So Father, I just want to pray right now for those of us that are here in the seats, for those that are watching on Facebook right now, Lord, and we know people that are coming to mind who don't know you yet. These are friends, neighbors, co-workers, maybe even family members that we've been praying for for decades. But God, I pray, Lord, that you'd give us an opportunity to invite them, to invite them to Christmas Eve, to invite them to come into a relationship with you. So, Father, would you orchestrate things the right way, Lord? But when, we, when we're walking out to get our mail, we run into our neighbor and we can begin that conversation. Or when we're at the gym between sets, we can kind of have a conversation with that person that we've been seeing. But, Lord, would you open up an opportunity for us to invite the person who maybe they're, they're close to our hearts, but they're far from you. God, I pray that this would be the day that they would say yes and take steps to draw near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, I'm going to be praying for you guys for Christmas Eve for those invites. Um, hey, I want to give you a little bit of a disclaimer for today's message as we jump in. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a heavier message than what we normally do, uh, kind of looking at some of the heavier themes of grief and loss to kind of come during this Christmas season. Um, and this is a message that I'm actually entitling The Ghosts of Christmas Past. And you probably can figure this out. This is probably a little nod to a book called A Christmas Carol that's written by this guy named Charles Dickens. And I will say, every time I see Charles' beard, I'm like, I need to get this guy beard oil. Like, you know, got to smooth that out a little bit here. But, you know, Charles Dickens is actually considered one of the greatest writers in the Victorian era. Um, many people say that he was a follower of Jesus, and he was very passionate about all sorts of different issues during his day. He was obviously a novelist. He wrote 15 novels, five novellas, tons and tons of speeches. Uh, he was also very active in terms of social reforms, like especially around education, child labor, things like that. And, you know, he's kind of most famous for his book, The Christmas Carol which is about this misanthropic old miser named Scrooge, right, who hated Christmas and so was visited by three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And really, it's a story of redemption or restoration. We see that theme again over and over again. And, you know, throughout history, there's been all sorts of different kind of different retakes on this story. In fact, many of you have seen, I'm sure, some of the different movies. In fact, I got a quick question for you. How many of you have seen the George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol? It's like one of the original. How many of you are like, this is like one of my favorites? Like, every year we've got to see this. That's awesome. How many of you are like, no, 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 it's the Muppets Christmas Carol? That, whoa! You, you saw those hands just shoot up right there. Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay, my favorite, though, has got to be Scrooged with Bill Murray. Anyone? Any Scrooged fans? Okay, it's a little, you know, it's a little, little off there. But um, there's a new one that just came out. I haven't seen it yet. It's called Spirited with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Um, you know, so I haven't seen it. Any even seen it? Is it worth seeing? Okay, I got a yeah. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if, if it makes the list here. But here's the thing. There's something about A Christmas Carol that it's able to kind of be told and retold and retold again. Every generation somehow seems to kind of come back to the Christmas carol here. And one of the most famous characters has got to be the ghost of Christmas past. 
Now, now we know the role of the ghost of Christmas past. Uh, This ghost basically takes Scrooge back in time to see the bad decisions that he made, the loss that he experienced, so that he can actually see, maybe feel those regrets and maybe turn away from them and, and see kind of where he ended up. And I think for many of us, when we come to Christmas, when we come to this time of year, there, it almost seems like there's a holiday haunting that many of us experience. There's a sense of maybe it's past mistakes, or maybe there's losses in our life that we're in the midst of grieving that seem really, really difficult. I remember, um, you know, I have a friend of mine, and every time we'd get close to Christmas time, I, you know, I'm very excitable. You might not know that about me. But I'd be like, hey, it's Christmas. This is going to be great. And my friend Jared would be like, I hate this time of year. Every time. And I'm like, and you know, this would be our joke. I'm like, ah, you're just, a, you're just a Scrooge. Bah humbug, right? And we would do this year after year until finally, I don't know what it was, but I was just so sick of his negativity. You ever have a friend who's just always like, it's like Eeyore all the time, and you're like, you know. So, so finally one day I just like go, dude. What is your problem? Like, it's Christmas time, the snow's coming down, the lights are up. Like, why do you hate Christmas? Like, what is your issue? And he got really, really personal with me. He said, You know, Nathan, when I was a teenager, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And towards the uh, beginning of November, things got so bad that by the end of the month, she passed away. And my dad did not know how to cope with this very well. So literally, after my mom died, he took down all of the pictures of our family with my mom in it from our house. And then literally, three, four weeks later, he remarried. And when I expressed to him just how angry I was and how much pain I was in, he threw me out of the house. So yeah, I I have nothing positive to think about Christmas. It just reminds me of when I lost my mom, when I lost my family, and it's one of the darkest days of my life. And it, it gave me pause, because I think that many of us, when we come into this time of year, we come in with that lens. While some people are like, this is the time that's merry and bright, for some of us, those losses are fresh. We don't resonate with joy and peace and love, like these candles that we've lit, but we resonate more with the sadness and the pain and the loss. I mean, you just scroll through Facebook, and you, you just see, especially this past week, people who are struggling with loss, struggling with pain. You know, I think of uh, friends of mine, who during this time of year, uh, they just remember a child that they lost, whether it's through a miscarriage or something else, and they, they get the, the pictures of kids that are growing up year after year, or, or they see the birth announcements, and it just kind of re-traumatizes and re-triggers those old wounds, and it's difficult. And I think for so many of us, you know, this time of year, we think about gathering with family and gathering with friends, but every time we gather we can't help but notice the empty chair. Maybe there's actually not a physical empty chair in your house, but, you know, it's the chair that, you know, Dad used to sit in. 
Your dad used to sit and he used to make his comments while everyone was doing their thing at dinner time. It was the chair that mom used to knit in as she was like listening to all the conversations. It was the chair that, you know, your brother sat in. But then he said, you know what, I'm done with this family and he walked away. And it's almost like a haunting. This ghosts of loss that are there. And it doesn't matter if these losses are 10 days old or 10 years old. They still feel fresh, especially around the holidays. But maybe it's not just the loss that's bad. Maybe you're like, I should, I should be over this by now. Like, I, I shouldn't be sad about this anymore. Like, what is wrong with me? You know, it's that inner critic that's like just talking at you, yelling at you. It's like, you, you, you should have done more. You should have fixed this, whatever it is. And, and, and it just kind of stays with us. And so this time of year, all we could do is remember the losses. And it doesn't have to just be the loss of people. It could be the loss of maybe a relationship, a marriage that ended, or a friendship that came apart. And yet those losses in this time of year feel really fresh. Maybe some of you are like, well, this is a happy, encouraging Christmas message. I'm, I'm glad I came to church today. Well, listen, I just, I just want to say this. N- number one, for some of you who are going through a time of loss, I, I want to talk with you specifically. Maybe some of you are like, Nathan, I, I really haven't gone through any losses. That's okay. You will one day. I want to give you a couple tools in this message that you can help the people in your life that maybe are going through those times. But first off, I want to speak, hopefully, a word that may be liberating to those of you that are in a time of loss, and it's this, is that God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. Like, I know sometimes, like, we think as Christians, everything is shiny, happy people, everything is great all the time. Uh, That's not true. In fact, you know, this isn't just an idea that I came up with. This is actually in Scripture, in Matthew 5, 4. It says this, Blessed are those who what? Mourn, for they will be comforted. Guys, there's times in our lives where we are going to be mourning the losses, the empty chairs in our lives. There's going to be times where we're going to be struggling with wondering what do we do with this pain and this loss. It could be a loss of a job, loss of a loved one, maybe a loss of a cherished season of life. But when we have those losses, we need to know where to go. And that's where Jesus invites us, especially at this time of year. You know, Jesus, when he was you know, ministering during his life, the book of Luke, Luke, one of his biographers, talks about this time where Jesus gets up and kind of shares his mission statement which is actually based in Isaiah 61. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to, let's all say this in in bold together, bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Maybe for some of you, this is a season of heartbreak. Just loss, just pain. And I just want you to know, that your Heavenly Father has come to bind up your broken heart. He's come to pick up the broken pieces and bring healing to them. Maybe this is the season where you really need a touch from the Spirit of God to bring healing in the midst of it. So we're going to look at Isaiah 53 today. 
If you guys have a Bible, you can open up there. Otherwise, you can just follow along on the screens here. Isaiah 53 is one of the prophecies that tell us about Jesus. So, you know, we had about a thousand-year heads-up that Jesus was coming through the book of Isaiah. Last week, we looked at Micah. In fact, Micah and Isaiah were buddies. They probably knew each other and hung out. And so Isaiah talks about the coming of Christ, and he, and he uses these poems or oracles. They're known as the suffering servant poems, essentially. And, and really, they are a, a pointer to Jesus. And so this is probably one of the most famous ones. Uh, we just read it here when, when the, the fishers were doing the Advent reading. Let's kind of break it down a little bit more. Starting at verse 1, it says this. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. So let's pause for a second here. In this first verse, it says, you know, who, you know, who knows the, the mighty strong arm of God? You know, one of the things that Isaiah is proclaiming, just through that phrase, powerful arm of God, is that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And yet, he talks about himself as a servant with a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Yet in the midst of this, you know, God being all-powerful, he reveals to us, us to, reveals himself to us in a weak form, in the form of a baby, in, in, in terms of a root to dry ground. He goes on and says this, he was despised and rejected, a, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest, what church? Grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Can you just ask real quick, have any of you ever felt despised and rejected? Have any of you felt like, you know, people turned their backs on you? Well, you have a Savior who knows exactly how you feel. You have a Savior who knows what it's like when people kind of walk away. And so maybe this Christmas time, as those ghosts are haunting you and you feel like you're left alone with them, you know that there's a Savior that's there with you. He goes on to say this, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. So, so we just assumed, okay, maybe the suffering servants, you know, he did something to deserve it, but really he's carrying our own sins. This is how we know this is a reference to Jesus. He goes on to say this, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now, there's a lot going on here. This may not make a lot of sense, but, you know, one of the things that we see here is that this reference to the fact that when God created the world, he said it was good. But then when humanity came, we basically chose to say, you know what, God, I'm gonna, we're going to decide what's right and wrong based on our, on our own whims. And we let sin come into the world, and sin created rebellion. It, it created a separation between us and God so that we could enter into a relationship with him. And there was nothing we could do to bridge that gap. And so what did God do? God sent his son Jesus, who came as a suffering servant. And this servant was pierced for our rebellion, our bad choices, our sins. He was crushed for the things that we did. He was beaten so we could be whole. So God sent his son Jesus to come and restore, there's that word again, restore us to the Father, to relationship with him. So when we give our lives to Christ, we can find hope and healing spiritually and in all areas of our lives. And then this section ends with this. All of us like sheep have strayed away. 
We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him all the sins of us, or the sins of us all. So, so yeah, as humanity, we still walk away from God. We still kind of wander. We go this way or we go that way, but yet he continues to bring us back to him. And he says, I've taken on your sins so that you can have forgiveness, so you can have hope, so you can have grace. You see, that's the gospel. The gospel doesn't just eradicate our sin. It also takes on the effects of our sin, the impact of our sin. It has something to say to our grief and our loss. It's not completely devoid about all those things. You know, we live in a culture that for the most part doesn't want to deal with grief, right? We don't want to talk about loss. We don't want to, we just want to keep on keeping on, right? You know, I just want to keep moving on to the next thing. But every once in a while, something pokes up in culture that makes us say, hey, we might need to take another look at this. You know, um, in the past year, you, you guys know this, I'm a big Marvel fan. And I remember uh, this past year when WandaVision came out. Anyone watch WandaVision? Okay, a few of you have seen it, yeah. WandaVision was interesting because, you know, when you first see the commercials, you're like thinking, oh, it's a lighthearted kind of fun, you know. But really, it's actually a study on grief, which is really, I thought was really interesting. Uh, the main character, which is uh, Wanda Maximoff, uh, she's experiencing gr great grief. She just lost her husband, um, and, you know, she's played by Elizabeth Olsen. And so she experiences this terrible loss, and so she uses her superpowers to kind of create this big bubble, this kind of world where, you know, she could ignore her grief, ignore her trauma, and just kind of keep on keeping on, which is a little bit of the message that our culture gives, right? Like, you know, grief is bad, just, just move through it as fast as possible. But one of the things that she learned is that that's actually not the case. In fact, I want to show you this quick clip of a flashback she has when she's having a conversation with her late husband, this man named Vision, and in this conversation, she's actually talking about the loss of her twin brother. Let's check this out. Wanda, I don't presume to know what you're feeling, but I would like to know, should you wish to tell me, should that be of some comfort to you? What makes you think that talking about it would bring me comfort? Oh, see, I read that... Uh, the only thing that would bring me comfort is seeing him again. over me again and again. It knocks me down, and when I try to stand up, it just comes for me again. And I can't. It's just gonna drown me. No. No, I won't. <laughs> How do you know? Well, because it can't all be sorrow, can it? I've always been alone, so I don't feel the lack. It's all I've ever known. I've never experienced loss because I've never had a loved one to lose. But what is grief, if not love persevering?
think that line, what is grief, if not love persevering, is a pretty powerful idea. That not all aspects of our grief and our loss are all bad things, but we're remembering the memories of those people, the good that they brought into our lives, even in the midst of the pain of those losses. And, and I think of the way she described grief as waves. Maybe you've experienced it. It just seems like it's knocking you down again and again and again, and, and you can't get back up. And in the midst of this grieving, because, you know, there's a little bit of, it's a mixture, right? There's a mixture of goodness. You're remembering those memories, but there's also that pain of those waves that are knocking you down. In, in the midst of it, it's important to remember that we have a Savior that can walk on water. Amen? Who has power over the wind and the waves, and when he sees you drowning, he sticks his hand out to pull you out of that water, to pull you out of that place. So guys, I want to take a look at five truths when you're in a time of grief. And maybe you're not in a time of grief, but maybe at one point you will be. So this will be helpful. Or maybe there's people in your lives that are grieving and you want to know, how do I help them better? Well, here's the first one. It's this. God grieves with you, so give your grief to God. God grieves with you, so give your grief to God. We actually see this in verse 3 where it says, He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. We, we did not care. He's acquainted, it says, with our deepest grief. You see, when you come to Jesus with your grief, he's not aloof. When you come to Jesus with your pain, he's not kind of standoffish, but no, he, he embraces you. He's empathetic, he's sympathetic, he understands your pain more than anyone else on this planet ever could. It says that he's experienced all the things that we experienced, your trauma, your pain, your loss. He's experienced all of that. You know, this past summer, um, we did a series going through the book of Lamentations called Lament. And one of the things that we learned is that part of biblical worship is complaining to God. It's actually going to God and saying, God, I'm angry with you. I'm in pain. Like, I don't understand why you allowed, you know, my marriage to fall apart. I don't know why my, my kids are going through this right now. Whatever it may be, when you bring to God your deepest pain and grief and anguish, that's worship. That's when God does his best work. You see, because we have a God who knows what grief is like, he knows what you're going through. He, he knows what it's like to have the empty chair. And he says, come and bring your grief to me. Bring your pain. Write a letter to God with your anger, your hurt. Send it to him because he wants to take it all. And he doesn't want you to hold back. Just bring it all to him. Pour it all out to him. But even when we do that part and we do that right, we need to remember the second truth here, which is this, is that grieving our losses is messy. It's not linear. We can think, okay, I'm making some great progress, and then all of a sudden something happens and we fall right back where we started. And maybe we think, man, I, I should have been further ahead on this, or I should have been over this, or I should have saw this coming, but, you know, it, there's layers to it. There's layers to the healing that God wants to bring in your life. In, in verse 5, it says this, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Guys, when we read this, and, you know, many of you know the accounts of the crucifixion, it was messy, it was bloody, it was gory. And so many times we think, okay, like, you know, Jesus, what he did for us was, was a messy thing. So guys, our healing is messy. Your healing is messy. It's going to take time. 
And kind of like that, the, the image of waves that Wanda was talking about in that show, it's a wave, it'll hit you, and then you'll get a break and it hits you again. And it seems like you know, all you can think about is the losses of the empty chair. But guys, even in the midst of your pain, God is still at work, even when you don't see it. I remember um, about nine or ten years ago, uh, Jackie and I were, you know, we're, you know we're, we're, our family was pretty young. We were trying uh, for our second kid because we hadn't had Wesley yet. And uh, we experienced um, a miscarriage. And then we got back, tried again. We experienced our second miscarriage. And it was pretty devastating. I, I know that my, you know, my wife, man, you guys know Jackie, she is emotionally intelligent, emotionally healthy. And so, you know, she is grieving and she's weeping. And, you know, I, I felt sad, but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there to support my wife. I'm okay, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, moved on, you know. And, and you know, a couple months later, you know, I'm at a, a prayer gathering with a couple other pastors and talking about just different things. And then while we're praying, something deep inside just broke. And like literally, I'm just weeping and crying before these pastors. I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. And I'm like, this is ugly crying, right? Like the snot's coming down. And I just remember crying out, God, it's not fair that we can't have another baby. Like, why are you doing this? And I was like, where are these words coming from? And I remember after that, you know, you put yourself back together, driving back from the event. I was with one of the other staff, one of the other pastors, and he said, wow, Nathan, I didn't realize that, you know, those, that, that miscarriage really impacted you. And I looked at them and said, I, I, I didn't either. I didn't either. Grief is messy. You may have an incident happen to you and really not feel anything months later. You, you may have that empty chair and you don't even think about it and all of a sudden something comes up and it, it kind of flows out in a different way. And, and it kind of comes out in different places. Guys, when you have people in your life that maybe they're grieving something and, and maybe you're like trying to understand them, I just want to encourage you, don't minimize their pain. Don't simply say things like, well, you know, it's not as bad as, or at least you had... Just, just take all that stuff out of your vocabulary. Just let them share. Let them be honest. And then never rush people. Don't rush them. Because they're still processing. And maybe it's going to come up like a wave again. It's going to come up in a different way. Because that's kind of how this all works. And maybe it's through going to a counselor or talking with friends. Or, you know, as they process that mess, they find deeper levels of healing. But... God is the one who's in charge of that healing, and you're not. You simply need to walk with them through that. Because eventually, you get to this third truth here, which is this, is that God uses your grief and loss to help others. And please hear me, if that's not where you're at right now, that's okay. You need to grieve and be in that place, but you need to understand that God wants to use your pain in a redemptive way. There's a redemptive side to your suffering. In fact, that was the suffering of Jesus. It was redemptive suffering. Look what it says in verse 4. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. We thought, oh, the suffering servant's getting what he deserved. But no, no, he's taking on your pain and your redemption. Because by taking on your sin, you have access to salvation. Guys, we need to hear, you need to hear this, is that God will not waste your pain. I'm going to say it again. God will not waste your pain. 
but sometimes we do. And I got to give credit to Rick Warren for this point, because I really learned this from him, and he helped me understand this, is that when we let pain overwhelm us, and we let it become like the primary just emotion, what happens is, is we have self-pity. But if we learn to take our pain and give it to God and allow him deeper levels of healing, you know what happens? He can actually use that pain to help other people. I mean, who could help people better than someone who's lost a child? With someone who's losing a child. Who can help others better than someone who's lost uh, a parent than someone else who's lost a parent? Who could better help someone who's gone through a, a miscarriage than someone else who's gone through that? Or maybe you've gone through an addiction and you can help others with addiction. You've gone through a marriage failure so you can help others who are also struggling in their marriage. In fact, maybe this is the time of year where you're really, really hit heavy with grief. So I want to recommend a resource called Grief Share to you. Grief Share, it's a support group that's led by other people that are grieving. They're meeting all over the area. You guys can just go to Google, type in Grief Share, and it gives you a couple, there's a couple meetings here that are local, one at Redeemer Lutheran, and I think First United Methodist Church in Muncie, but you can see whatever works best for your schedule. But these are folks who are grieving. Maybe they're a little bit further ahead on the journey, but they want to say, hey, we want to help other people who are also in that place. And maybe you're thinking, you know what, Nathan, I'm a little bit further healed in my journey of loss, and I would love to know how I can help other people. Because God wants to take your pain and re- redeem it. And so I want to encourage you. And this next point, it's not actually in the text, but I just felt like I wanted to share this, which is to bring your grief to church. You know, sometimes we want to hide our grief and pretend, hey, everything's okay, everything is awesome, you know, I know that I just went through this traumatic event, but you know, God is on his throne, amen, God is good, right? We try to spiritualize it, but really, God wants you to bring your pain to people, bring your grief, your your loss to people. In fact, maybe you've heard this saying, I just heard it this past week, that if you share a joy, it's doubled, but if you share pain, it's halved. You see, God has actually made us so that we can actually share our pain with others. There's things that we're not meant to carry on our own. And when we try to carry stuff on our own, when we try to make ourselves look better than we are, we're actually violating a, scripture, a, a principle from Scripture. God wants us to, to share our pain with others. In fact, Romans 5.15 reminds us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. We need to do this together. That's why I, found, if, that's why I want to encourage you, if you're hurting, Come to church. This is a place where people would love to come and pray for you. Every service, we have a prayer team that's here. They would love to pray with you as you're grieving your losses, as you're experiencing difficult things. Our staff, our deacon team, we'd love to know how we can pray for you and serve you, but we can't do that. We don't know. You don't need to be ashamed because all of us go through times of loss and pain. Let's go back to Isaiah here. In Isaiah verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? What is this message? I've kind of been saying this throughout this message. This message is this is the God of heaven saw the brokenness of humanity and he sent his son Jesus to come to die on the cross so that we could have access to God. So that we could have eternal life. So what's here on earth does not have to be all that there is. That, that's kind of the beauty of this, is that we actually don't have to be part of the kingdom of this world. There's a kingdom of a world to come that we get to be citizens, that we get to be a part of. And it's a kingdom that's unlike anything else. And if I could kind of close with this last truth, it's this. Grief helps us embrace the hope 
of heaven. Our life doesn't just end here. There will be a time where God will restore all things. He will make all things new. And sometimes when we feel that grief, we feel that loss, it's a reminder that grief and loss and death, it's not normal. Loss is not the natural order of things. In fact, it's an invasion of the order of things. I love what it says here in, in Revelation 2, 21, 4, where it says that he, meaning Jesus, will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Guys, if you, if you think about the empty chairs that are going to be around your table this season, people that have lost, people uh, who you've lost, people who are moving on, there will be a time the marriage supper of the Lamb, where there will be no more empty seats. If we've lost people who know Jesus, we know that one day we will be reunited with them. One day, pain, loss, grief, all of that will be over. Can you, can you imagine a world where there's no more grief, where there's no more loss, where there's no more pain? Maybe you're here today and you're still kind of carrying a weight. And like I said, it doesn't matter if the loss happened 10 days ago or 10 years ago, you're still feeling it. I'll let you know that at the end of our service, our prayer team will be here and we'd love to pray with you. I'll be down here as well to pray because you're not meant to carry that burden on your own. You're meant to share it so that we can kind of pray with you and carry that with you as well. I want to pray for us and we'll Continue to worship. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do the work of a comforter right now. Father, we we sometimes don't want to gloss over our losses or we, we gloss over them because we just don't want them to weigh us down, but Lord, it's through the grieving that we can experience your comfort. Some of you have bypassed the grieving process, but by doing so, you've bypassed God's comforting touch in the midst of it, and he wants you to to come back to that place where you're mourning, that you're bringing your grief to him so he can bind up your broken heart. Lord, as we come before you, we just come and we, are, we bring our losses to you, Jesus. We submit them to you as our act of worship this morning. That even though it seems like, you know, everything's merry and bright on the surface, I know for some of us, Lord, it's not that way. And so, Father, as we, again, trust you with our pain, our hurts, we just ask that you'd be the one who would bind up and heal our broken hearts today in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. 
You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.